The following is a sponsored program on 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this program are solely those of the individuals or participants involved and do not necessarily represent those of Braden Madison Broadcasting or its employees. 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday morning at 10 AM. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight, Jeff Shannon. Well, good morning and welcome to Summer County Spotlight. Your host, Jeff Shannon. we got another Sunday going on here. Uh, happy holidays. Hope everything was great for you and your family. And it's time to get back to normal and uh, head to a new year. And it's going to be bigger and better than ever. So I wanted to kind of bring in an individual here that is, well, he's kind of an expert in uh, these kinds of things. And when we talk about emergencies and managing these emergencies, there's a lot that goes on. So Ken Widener with EMA here in Sumner County is uh, is the man. And he's in charge of all of this and getting things going. So, Ken, thanks so much for coming in. I know I know how slammed you are. Oh, yeah, yeah. And thank you very much. We've been boots on the ground since since December 9th. You know, we did we did take off for Christmas and came back in, and we've we've accomplished quite a bit, and we've got a lot more to accomplish to, to help take care of our citizens and businesses. So at the beginning, and when you saw this thing, you know, I'm sure you were watching the weather, and they were talking about uh, this, you know, this front coming across, and then you start seeing areas of circulation where it's going to have, and then it started getting closer and closer heading in our direction. I mean, I'm sure you were on top of that already to um, kind of watch we, it. I was, but, but quite honestly, I was in Mississippi at duck camp. So what I had done that day is we really watched the weather and we used a lot of different sources mm-hmm. for weather. And, you know, we just talked about doing a segment on outdoor warning and, we, and I want to do that sometime. Yeah going forward, but we don't have enough time now to talk about that, yeah. adequately talk about it. But we really watch the weather. 84% of the time in Sumner County, the severe thunderstorm warnings are false. 90-something percent, probably 96, 98% of the time, tornado warnings are false. But that's the product that's produced by the data that's given to the weather service we look at that we look, we've got our we watch 24517 i really put a lot into james span who's in alabama he is an abc abc chief meteorologist mm-hmm. but he's got he's got a big thing he does down in alabama so i look at him every time we have potentially severe weather coming along with my local meteorologist right. Bree smith lives right here yeah okay yep. she does a lot with us leland's um, just down the road leland lives down yeah. here yeah so they are some of my go-to people, as mm-hmm. 2, 4, and 17 are. That particular day, I'm up at about 4 a.m., and I'm looking and because we're getting ready to head to Mississippi to duck camp. All indications were that they couldn't rule out tornadoes, but it didn't look that bad. But mm-hmm. when I watched James Spann, and he was talking about the up-tilt, down-tilt, and tilt, and the probability of severe weather was reduced based on what had happened overnight. So I told my wife, we're going to go ahead and go. So we had a four and a half hours, five hour drive to duck camp. We get down, we set decoys. We were actually in <laughs> rotation at our duck blind. I thought my, my oldest son said, he said, I've done a lot of stupid things in my life. But I said, well, here's the deal. We're not going to die in a duck blind. So we got on our Can-Am and headed south, driving through bean fields and rice fields to get out of what we thought was potentially bad. Mm-hmm. So it ended up not being bad. But I'm talking to my deputy director, Mickey Summers, who is here. He actually was watching everything. He stood the EOC up the Emergency Operations Center at 4.30 that day. At 4.36, a tornado warning was issued for Sumner County. At 4.39, the tornado touched down in North Nashville, up, up off of I-24. Mm-hmm. At 4.50, 
the tornado enters Sumner County at the Old Hickory Locking Dam. That was crazy. At 453, another warning was issued. A, a, a particularly dangerous situation was issued. A, t- a tornado emergency was issued by the Weather Service, and that's something we need to talk about at some point is mm-hmm. weather notification with the fact that 85% of the population has a cell phone or 95% has a cell phone and 85, 86% has a smartphone. Well, and the, and the mayor always pushes. you got to sign it for code red. So you get those well, alerts. Well, that code red is big, but in your phone, when you get that smartphone, you have EAS, emergency alert system. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that comes across when you get an amber alert or you get right. weather alerts. And you can't stop what's going When that happens, you can't stop. You can't have the conversation you're having on the phone. You can't do anything with your phone. Some people opt out of that. If you don't like the amber alerts, you can check those out. I don't recommend it because you sure. can be the difference in a child's life exactly. and seeing a vehicle that an amber alert was put out on. But the best thing about the EAS is it is location-based. It's GPS-based on where you are, where a lot of the apps, a lot of the things on your phone are address point based. So what we're looking at now is since since everything's changed, we really need to notify people who are in the polygon, okay? And I mean, bottom line, meteorologists really don't know their tornadoes on as a tornado until they see enough debris field or somebody tells them. And and I know they'll argue that point with me, but they can say we have rotation here because of the different color of, mm-hmm. of wind direction on the radar signature they see. But there are a lot of variables there. And bottom line is everybody has a responsibility to have that situational awareness, to take care of themselves, to take care of their family. And the best thing to do is be in the best possible location should severe weather spin up. So if we look at this, we look at the case of the bowling alley that mm-hmm. 40 people were in. Yeah. The manager made a wise decision in getting those people to the interior of the building. This is something that we didn't think that most of those people probably didn't think was going to be a real bad weather situation situation bottom line there is you may be in a situation or in a location where you're where you don't need to be right well and two i think it, it, you're speaking it's seeing that just drives home the point that maybe these larger facilities got to have a lot of people maybe should have some training because they probably didn't most, think most about of that them do. a lot of them you do. know a lot of them do well i know that all of our assisted living and nursing homes and and they have crisis plans and they have things that they do mm-hmm. yeah the, it's a good question and that's something the chamber could put out to see sure. yeah. if the businesses have a plan and we can work with them on a plan okay. there's some generic plans out there but yeah they do need to have make sure that they have employees that, that have adequate weather notice and quite honestly if a severe thunderstorm warning is issued you really need to start watching because any severe thunderstorm can produce a tornado right and for some reason and i've, I've looked in the past whenever these tornadoes come through Middle Tennessee. It seems about this time of year for some crazy reason. I don't know if it's barometric pressure. It's uh, something yeah, sucking um, it across. I don't know, but it's yeah. There's it a lot of different to... thoughts on that. It could be it could be Nashville and and all the commercialized. And, and I'm not just picking on Nashville, but concrete, asphalt, heat. Mm-hmm. Um, some people say it has something to do with the river. But if you look at Sumner, Davidson, Wilson, Williamson, there are over 200 tornadoes recorded since 1950 in those counties. Wow. And there are the only county that has more than that is Shelby County. Oh, that's crazy. Okay? And Sumner's had 52 since tornadoes were recorded in 1950. Wow. The thing about a tornado is you have very limited time to respond, whereas in a hurricane, you know it's coming. So you might have a day's, day's notice coming across so you can prepare for things but a tornado it's just like here it is so about three or four years ago our lead time on a tornado from warning to touchdown was four minutes it's 14 minutes now wow so 
Um, and if you look at the time that we received the warning until it entered Sumner County, it was 14 minutes. Mm. And, and if so, you saw the traffic that night, you know that people were just caught off guard because there was know, so when, much traffic here on Main Street. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. You know, one thing, that, one thing that a lot of people don't know is where they are and what direction they're looking, what direction things are coming from. Especially if there's and no light out. That's really important. Well... <laughs> um, if, if I'm in, if I'm, I don't care if I'm in Montgomery, Alabama, I want to have an orientation as to what north, south, east, west is, and I want to know which direction these storms may be coming mm-hmm. from, because typically these storms they travel from southwest to northeast. Sometimes they travel northwest to northeast, but typically it's southwest to, to northeast. In that case, depending on where I'm at, if I have the ability to drive, I'm going to drive north or south. I'm not going to drive into it. I'm not going to drive away from it. I'm going to try to drive north or south mm-hmm. or southeast or northeast to get out of it, because we've got the technology in our hands to look at this stuff. Your cell phones aren't you know, as long as your cell phone's charged, you should have service to be able to not not make phone calls and things because you know some of the infrastructure may be down. But you should be able to say radar because there are multiple radar systems around. And one thing that, that concerns me a bit is the National Weather Service office is just across the river from say somewhere around Cumberland Hills, between Cumberland Hills and, and Bluegrass, just across the river. Mm-hmm. Well, the radar dome over there, the closer you get to that dome, the harder it is to see what's happening on radar wow I so did we not choose know that. at the EOC to look at different right. to look at different radars from different areas across the state to see what they're doing and look at different meteorologists to see what they're saying yeah absolutely i think a lot of people are listening to us right now we're talking about ken widener and he's uh, you know, the director of ema yes, can you explain what ema is and what its so purpose our, is our primary function is, is just this disaster preparedness okay. Okay. that's what our our function is we we write along with tema and police fire ems across the county our basic emergency operations plan. We write a hazard mitigation plan. We do planning with nursing homes, crisis plans with schools. We do a lot of that. We help with that. And that's our primary function. But we also do water operations. If we have a drowning, if we have swift water rescues, we we do those type things. We do missing persons. We've got a big canine division where we do searches for lost, missing people. We have done some, some work with law enforcement in regards to that. We've got a big drone program where it's been very successful in locating mm-hmm. missing persons. It's been successful in locating fugitives. Our office is based out of Gallatin on Airport Road is where the Emergency Operations Center is and where our equipment is. So that's that's what we do in a nutshell. Well, you coordinate with all the different agencies and the chambers, and you have a you have a, a meetings all the time talking about way coordination. Too, way yeah. too many meetings, and, and, <laughs> and you know, back during COVID, it, yeah. it kind of it taught us a little more about Zoom and some of your your phone based meetings, which I like mm-hmm. uh, because everybody's busy. All of our police chiefs and fire chiefs and EMS chief, everybody's busy, and to drag them away from what they've got going is not always the best thing. Sure, but I will say this about Sumner County Public Safety: um, I'll put public safety in Sumner County against anybody around. Police, fire, EMS, mm-hmm. um, the quality of service, the training, the equipment are very good. Yeah, we got we definitely have that, and I think it's kudos to all of them, but I think the thing about, especially Sumner County, that I've noticed is people are really compassionate, and they will step forth when people need help. As you all realized, you had a lot of people you were trying to help, and a lot of things you were trying to help, but all these people were getting in the way. Well, and of course, you promote it, stay off the roads, but they're still out there, you well, it's a volunteer state. Yeah. And and we have people come out to help people. Mm-hmm. 
and you know we open, we stand shelters up but typically unless it's extremely catastrophic we don't have a lot of people in shelters and that's just the nature of, of who Tennesseans are who Summer Countyans are you know we like to we like to have those ready American Red Cross manages those for us and we've got many approved um, shelters across the county and we don't want to confuse a shelter that we use post storm to a shelter that's an area of refuge one thing that that, that made me think of is we've got a on our website uh, summerema.org we've got a storm shelter registration form and you populate that with your storm shelter and it, okay. gets, it gives a lot of information on that you got to know how to that. find you yeah we, <laughs> we right we vet that make sure it's it's a, a tornado shelter and some people choose to and, and their their tornado shelter like on a basement house is the the area under their steps which is a is a more secure place than the upper floor but we want to know where your storm shelters are we want to know where you're going to be not necessarily in a house where the the lowest most central point but in a storm shelter because if it piles your house up that's on right. that storm shelter our fire and rescue people know, need to that's know right. yeah. how to get to you right and that goes in our cad system our computer aided dispatch system at the emergency communication center yeah very important that, that people do that i was talking to a guy the other day and he told me about this storm shelter he had built mm-hmm. and it was like it was mac daddy i mean it was nothing's getting in there but he did bring up the point that you have to register that so people know how to yeah. find you just in case you know that kind and of we've thing. got a layer on our maps that we can go to okay that's good and uh and identify where these are because if you're in a shelter chances are you're okay you're not mm-hmm. in a house that a house has collapsed on you and during some phase in the search, that incident commander is going to make a decision on if they've searched that house and we go back and they determine that a, that a storm shelter is there, we're going there. Or if we have active rescues going on, which we've had in the past, mm-hmm. the 06 tornado, we had active rescues from homes where, where homes had collapsed on people and fire, rescue, EMS were in getting those people out. Right. We had some that made it and some unfortunately that didn't mm-hmm. make it we're talking to ken widener director of ema here in sumner county we take a quick break we got a lot more to talk about so stick around with more of sumner county spotlight thanks for listening to sumner county spotlight a weekly public affairs program heard each and every sunday right here on whin or you can listen on our podcast page at whinradio.com if you'd like to become a sponsor of this program reach out to me jeff shannon at jeff at whinradio.com And we're back this Sunday morning with Sumner County Spotlight. I'm Jeff Shannon, and we're going to continue our talk with director of EMA here in Sumner County, uh, Ken Widener. Ken, we were talking about the path that this storm took. You have some stats there. I mean, it's mind-blowing. Yeah, so the, the tornado entered at the dam, and anybody that's been on Gallatin Road, has seen the damage to the businesses and, and homes and things like that. The the tornado, as it came through Sumner County, was on the ground for 29.84 miles. Wow. The widest widest point was 400 yards. So it wasn't a, a large catastrophic tornado. It was a high EF2, winds at 130 miles an hour. So you get into a an EF3 at 136 miles an hour. Clarksville was 150, right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. yeah you know, and, and we've only had one EF5 in Tennessee years and years ago that actually went unreported for, for quite some time. We were actually watching as this came through the county. I was watching on radar, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that story in, in, a, in a minute. But we were looking at the radar, and we saw that infamous hook echo. And we were looking at the forward core, and we were looking at the gust front and the, the rear gust front. We were looking at all that, and it looked big, but it didn't look huge. So we knew that it was going across the county, and it's really hard to tell people, public safety and people that, that you can actually communicate with. It's going in this direction. It's going to be here next. It's going to be here next. So the best thing I can say on that is watch the tracker on, on 245 and 17, because they put that out there, and they yeah. say in 15 minutes, this storm is going to be here, and it's pretty accurate. Yeah, they put the cone out there. 
put so the cone out in the line. Yeah, it yeah. Says, so now with the polygons, if, if a meteorologist say people in Cottontown need to take cover, you need to take cover. Mm, okay, yeah. because they're, they're really dialing it in now and really look at that polygon in the past. When Sumner County went under a warning, the whole county went under the warning. So it was really disproportionate to the area of 542 square miles and the area that was actually in danger, which would probably 10 square miles. Now, is your experience that most of these tornadoes don't really zigzag? It pretty much goes in a straight line? If a tornado makes a sharp turn, it is a very bad tornado based on what I've looked at historically. I I haven't dealt with those, but based on what I've looked at, Historically, if a tornado makes a turn, it's a bad tornado. So in on February 5th, 2008, we had one touchdown. And ironically, the 06 tornado that came right here through Hendersonville, just north of us here. Wow. And you notice I pointed to the north because that's You're good. North, okay? You're good. <laughs> um, when that tornado cleared the north side of Gallatin, it went through the south side or north side of Hendersonville, it went through the south side of Gallatin, and it ended on Blissow Creek by Dr. Wright's house off of Ziegler Fort Road. Ironically, the February 5th, 2008 tornado touched down just across the lake from Dr. Wright's house. It had a more northerly track to it. It was a long-track tornado that ended up killing 33 people. Wow. Amazing. It went through Sumner County, it went wow. through Trousdale County and Macon County and on up into Kentucky. So, and I showed you on, the, on our uh, map that I've got on my phone, I showed you the the proximity of the 23 tornado, mm-hmm. the 21 tornado, the 08 tornado, and the 06 tornado, and they're very close. They actually the 06 and the 23 tornado crossed paths on Nichols Lane in Gallatin. They had a little different track. The 23 tornado had a little more northerly track, and it crossed that path on Nichols Lane in Gallatin. So those people got hit in 06 and again in 23. Had the 21 tornado stayed on the ground, it very well could hit that same area. Sure, we're looking, looking like we're a tornado south. alley around here. It's, well, they call it Dixie Alley. No, Dixie. Um, but we're not in Tornado Alley. We don't uh-huh. we don't get what they get in. And and when we talk sometime later about outdoor warning, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to talk about Joplin, Missouri, and more more Oklahoma. They are in Tornado mm-hmm. yeah, Alley. Yeah, definitely. All right, where they have. 159 fatalities. So you might have some some recent figures on uh, the amount of businesses and residents that, that were damaged. And I know everything's being still calculated and adjusted and assessed and things like that, because that's that's a big process. Yes. So Sunday morning, we started doing damage assessments. So we utilized City of Gallatin codes, Gallatin Fire, Sumner County Sheriff's Office, Sumner EMA, Hendersonville Fire to do damage assessments in Hendersonville, Gallatin, and out in the county. 591 assessments were done. We ended up with 34 homes that were destroyed across the county, 118 with major damage, 198 with minor damage, 237 affected, and four inaccessible. Which means? We, they couldn't get to them to do the assessment. They could just tell that it was oh, okay. in really bad shape. Yeah. So it's kind of a weird thing the way it happened this year, but it's not because of where it happened. Of the total, there were 137 businesses that were either destroyed, had major damage, or or, or affected all the way through that in Hendersonville, as opposed to seven in Gallatin. Public buildings, there were five in Hendersonville and two in Gallatin. Mm -hmm. And then what the big change over here, because it hit more residential in Gallatin, there were 141 residents affected in Hendersonville and 270 in Gallatin. And out in the county, it was just a a short distance in the county. There Mm -hmm. were there was one business, no, no public buildings, and 28 residences in the unincorporated areas. Is there a way to tell, as it came through Hendersonville, that, you know, 130, 125, was it starting to lose steam as it got towards in Gallatin? So I've talked to the Weather Service about this, and we really didn't come to a conclusion on it, but but it appeared to be lifting and touching down. Oh, okay. Hopping, jumping. <laughs> so there are areas that yeah. it hit, and then just right there, I mean, it skipped over Aladdin Temp right. It got some things in that area, but... 
Aladdin's got a great big roof on it. Oh my so gosh, you can think you imagine? Could have sustained some damage, but I think it was up a little bit there. Our National Weather Service meteorologists, they're real good on storm damage assessments. Mm-hmm. They know what to look for. They know to look at the tre- how to look at the trees and the metal and all that to come up with the EF scale severity of the tornado. Mm-hmm. Now, you all have that. You mentioned you have the drones that are going up. Do you have one of those big commercial drones? I mean, you can... You can really see a lot from up there. Well, you, I mean, ours ours are geared for search and rescue. They've all got FLIR on them, and then we've got one we can fly in houses for the SWAT teams. We fly for both Hendersonville SWAT team and the county okay. SWAT team. We actually did a, an operation in Kentucky where KSP got in pursuit and lost the vehicle. He'd actually kidnapped a lady in Bowling Green, threw her out of the car, ran over her, shot up a Simpson County deputy car. So KSP, Allen County, and Simpson County were in pursuit, and they lost him on a dead-end road. So... They call us at 2 in the morning. We get there about 2.30, and about 20 minutes later, one of our drone operators located the vehicle wrecked in a field. The bad guy was 120 feet from the car, posted up with a rifle waiting on them to come check on the vehicle. They end up getting in a gunfight with him after uh-huh. daylight he shot the chief deputy of simpson county and they unfortunately killed him so oh how unfortunate oh uh, yeah <laughs> right um so Jeez. yeah we use drones a lot and drone quality drones have gotten smaller better quality cameras mm-hmm. good record capabilities and we utilize our drones a lot the, a lot of drone footage was sent to us yeah in fact the ones you're talking about going over the dam was emailed yeah. to me wow I know it it's yeah. I mean to just to watch that path going on there and just see mm-hmm. how it was acting with this building and over here it's perfectly fine. Right. right. Uh, it's just like when the, they came through Nashville a few years ago. I mean you go down 40 on the left side totally destroyed. The right side was pristine. It's well, like it the, didn't even touch, you know. The, the EF scale, the wind speed, and the width of the storm play a big role in that. An EF three that's got a, a five six hundred yard path is gonna really tear stuff up. Mm-hmm. One that's staying on the ground. There's some really good video. There's some video of the tornado here, but there's some really good video of the Clarksville tornado. It was more defined, and and when people see light flashes, that's adjacent power lines or power lines in the path that are going out. So. Earlier, we talked about how many residents were without power. So at one point, there were 22,000 customers in Hendersonville with no power. I, I made contact with my contact at NES, and he said, I'm going to be real frank with you here, but you can't push a lot of this out because mm-hmm. we don't know where we're at yet. So there are two substations in Hendersonville, one called the Hendersonville substation and one the Saundersville substation. The Hendersonville substation was damaged severely by railroad ballast. So railroad ballast is a rock that lines the side of the railroad track. And this tornado picked that ballast up. <laughs> <laughs> and threw it into that substation, those substations, or that substation, and it destroyed the porcelain insulators that are oh, on the lines. Geez. So they did so much work to that, and they got to a point where I'm pretty sure it was Wednesday morning at 1 a.m. So at about 11 o'clock that night, my contact called me. He said, at 1 o'clock, we're going to close the switch, which means they're going to energize it and see what happens. So the big problem was the TVA line that was down. Right, because you had two was, transmission were routing, lines that were down, right? They were, to, yeah, they were yeah. on, a, on a structure. Mm. A big lattice structure yep. was down. So they were having to do that, and he said, if it if it holds, we're going to start powering customers back up. But there's a big, a lot of ifs there. At 1.15 that morning, he called me. He said, it's been closed for 15 minutes, and it's holding. So we're going to start powering up. So we had one assisted living facility here in Hendersonville that we had a, an 80, a 250 kW generator sitting at the EOC ready to be wired in to their okay. facility if they weren't going to be up by 
Thursday afternoon because the state was in the in the building with them, and they had portable heaters and things in there that they didn't like. Right. And uh, so we had that as a backup to power being on because it's hard to move a bunch of people and having a place to take them, which that should sure. be in their plans for an mm-hmm. alternate location yeah. for them to go. Well, I, I know that some of the, the assisted living places, uh, you seem like they would have to have a, some kind of plan here with generators installed anyway. There's no, re- there's no requirement that they have generators on the building. There is a requirement that they have crisis plans, but they don't always work out like they thought they would and and understand this that when you have a catastrophic event the generator vendor that you call is getting calls from a lot of other people as well yeah yeah absolutely having generators is a good thing we actually powered hendersonville's city fuel pumps for some time i I don't know i know a generator came down i don't know how it was used but until nes got their power back up they were were relying on that for for fuel and that's one thing we do in preparedness we try to keep 25 kw and bigger generators 85 kw generators here but we can't just go around putting those on private structures now we did have a request from hendersonville for some individuals that were on oxygen machines and Mm. and we deployed we took we got small generators hendersonville fire and they got out and got people that were on O2 machines up and running until power came up. Yeah. You know, one of the, the, the great things, we're talking about people coming together and uh, with the chambers, you know, and the and United Way's collection point. And it was amazing to see all of the equipment that came in. There were generators. I mean, you name it, they, they had something there. Then it all, you know, went to good use for sure. But. So, and, and still talking about power, at one point we had about 50,000 customers in Sumner County without power. My opinion is that police, fire, EMS, did what they do. Mm-hmm. Those guys and girls, you don't generally have to go around and think. The satisfaction they get is what they do. Yeah. But to me, since we didn't have fatalities and we didn't have a lot of injuries, the heroes in this disaster mm-hmm. were our electric workers. NES had 43 trucks in Hendersonville at one time. I was just going to ask you that. Gallatin yeah. Department of Electricity, CEMC, Tri-County. As quickly as they got power back up and running, the power they could get that wasn't affected by a service going to a house that was down or damaged, mm-hmm. they did an outstanding job. Our public works departments did an outstanding job. And they're still doing it. They still are. They've got a lot <laughs> Collection of Collection and all that, yeah. But to have the roads open as quick as they could or have signage, have roads partially open mm-hmm. to, to one lane or, or working it back and forth, the way that they did that and – and so now, and we'll go into this next phase at whenever you want to, so we're working. So there's a phase where we, after these damage assessments are done, we make a request for federal assistance. But but there's a lot going on, emergency protective measures by police, fire, EMS, EMA, and the documentation that has to be kept for that for a potential reimbursement for yeah. public assistance. Mm-hmm. So after we got the damage assessments done, we submitted those to TEMA, which, which packaged up a deal for FEMA. We have to have a certain number of homes that are destroyed or damaged for individual assistance. Now, individual assistance is what helps our, our homeowners. Small yeah. business administration is what helps our business owners. Right. We, did, we got declared as one of the quickest declarations I've ever seen. Yeah, And, and I think that really helped to, that, to that expedite help. that assistance coming out. Um, yeah. So we've got the uh, Small Business Administration is set up at the Hendersonville Area Chamber of Commerce. Mm-hmm. They've been here. And that's at 100 Country Club Drive, Suite 103, 8 to 5 Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Saturday, and closed on Sundays. And then the Disaster Recovery Center for individuals is in Gallatin at Gallatin Public Utilities at 239 Hancock Street and they are Monday through Saturday 8 to 7 this is DRC and then Sunday 1 to 5 I haven't seen the holiday schedule for New Year's but I'm sure they're not going to be here on New Year's Eve yeah now let me ask you this this information I know it's there's a lot of information out there where would they go obviously to your website to to obtain all of this latest and greatest information we're pushing it out 
uh, police, fire, EMS, Chambers okay. of Commerce. It's it's on two four five seventeen. But you can go to our Facebook page, Sumner EMA. Uh, you, I'm sure you can go to any of the other public safety agencies' Facebook page and scroll and search around a little right. bit yeah. and find the DRC, find the SBA. There probably, if you go to the FEMA website, I know there are some news releases that have these this information on them. Okay. What we do is we really try to keep our social media up because so many people rely on social media. That's right. And, and, it, and it can be really effective yeah. in, in something like this. Well, I can tell you just from everybody that I've talked to, a kudos going out to you all, all the public safety persons involved. I think it was handled excellent. I'm sure there's ways to improve, which will be discussed ad later because there's always a way to make things better. But yeah. listen, I appreciate you so much because, I mean, I've, I've talked to... Summer County Mayor John Isbell, and you know he raves about you. So, <laughs> you mm, you got it. yeah. That's good well, to hear. I'm gonna tell you this: the mayor and I didn't finish my my duck camp story. So when we got back to the house, we were kind of just milling around. And when I met my deputy director, said I'm going to the OC to stand it up, and it was like 4:25. Then he got it up and going at 4:30 that day. We didn't know it was going to hit Summer County, but when we saw things going on in Dixon and in Clarksville, mm-hmm. we threw everything in the back of my truck. There were five of us. I called a buddy of mine, THP, and said, "Look, we're coming up I-40, and we're going to be rolling." Um, can you call you guys down there? And he said, well, most of our team from Jackson East is headed in to get with a strike team. They, they have, We have 21-man strike teams in law enforcement. They were going in to get that done. But we, I'm probably ashamed to say this, we made it back from close to Tunica, Mississippi in three hours and 40 minutes. <laughs> So we we got into the EOC. Everything was running smooth. Good. I yeah. probably could have stayed there, but I wouldn't have enjoyed myself. Yeah. And there was a lot to, a lot to go on after after our emergency protective measures. There's a lot going on. We'll be dealing. We've been dealing with it solid for two weeks. Right over two weeks, and we'll be dealing with it for months to come. Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, I mean, you got some great folks in place. We're so glad that you guys are here to do this. I appreciate you taking the time to come in and talk to us. Yes, sir. And we got a lot more to talk about, and we will have you back for sure. That's yes, sir. No doubt. Yes, sir. Thank you. And we're talking with Ken Widener, the director of EMA here for Sumner County. And so stick around. we got a lot more coming right here on Sumner County Spotlight. Thanks for listening to Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program heard each and every Sunday right here on WHIN. Or you can listen on our podcast page at whinradio.com. If you'd like to become a sponsor of this program, reach out to me, Jeff Shannon, at jeff at whinradio.com. And welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight. I'm your host, Jeff Shannon, and we have a continuing story here with our Sumner County Spotlight, and we're going to continue talking with the experts. And in light of our recent storms that have you know recently passed here, it was pretty devastating for our area, and I was quite impressed with how fast things got rolling. And the Small Business Administration was one of those organizations that was just right on spot here. So I wanted to bring our expert in here. Her name's Robin Yang, and she's the public affairs specialist. Is that right? Yes. She could tell us all about this. Robin, thanks so much for taking time to come in. I know you're swamped uh, with everything. So tell us about yourself and what's going on. All right. Thank you for the introduction, Jeff. And I'm a public affairs specialist from the U.S. Small Business Administration. We recently deployed to the state of Tennessee due to the uh, December 9th tornadoes that has caused damages to many homes and businesses. So we're here to help. So many people, when they think about the name Small Business Administration, they thought it's only for the small businesses. However, that is not correct. For disaster assistance, we help uh, homeowners, renters, business of all sizes, and nonprofit organizations with their uninsured and underinsured losses. See, that's very interesting because I thought it was just, like you said, it's not just for businesses, but in the case of a disaster, this is when it can roll in for residents and other individuals to apply for these, these low-interest loans. Exactly. 
and if you're a homeowner and your home has been damaged by the tornadoes, mm-hmm. you may be eligible for up to five hundred thousand dollars of disaster loan. And the interest can be as low as 2.688%. This is a very low interest, and there's no payment required until about 12 months after the first disbursement of the loan. And the interest does not accrue during the same period of time. Wow. <laughs> People are going, wait a minute, what'd you say? <laughs> now this, and again, we're talking in this case, because of a disaster, businesses, okay, a lot of businesses have been affected here in, in the Middle Tennessee area, but homeowners as well. Wow. Yes, and, and actually, renters as well. Homeowners and renters, if they have any personal property damaged, they might also be eligible for up to $100,000 of their disaster loan. Wow. So so they get that, they just get a check. Well, of course, SBA would evaluate the loss. It's, okay. it's not guaranteed that everyone gets, of, of course, sure. it's not everyone who's going to get 500000 That's because it says up relative. to, yes, exactly. depending it's upon your to. assessment. Is that correct? Yes. And for business of all sizes, if there's damage to their business assets, such as their buildings their, or machineries. Right. Um, so their vehicles, uh, those kinds of things, right? Yes. Vehicles do count. Yes. Yes. Okay. They're eligible for up to $2 million of disaster loan for the physical damage. Damage, and the rate can be as low as 4%. Nonprofit too, the same rules apply for nonprofit. It's They're eligible for up to $2 million. However, the rate can be even lower. It can be as low as 3.25%. Okay, so we said before you can have rates as low as 2.688, whatever it was. And then in this case, it was th- as low as three point something percent? Is that because it's a, a, a non-profit? Non-profit. Yes. So for homeowners and renters, so if you're individual when you're applying for the disaster loan, the rate can be as low as 2.88. Okay. Can be yeah. as low as 2.688%. Okay. But if you're a business owner or if you are a representative of a nonprofit, then the rates are going to be as low as 4% and 3.25% respectively. Okay. So it, I guess it's all in the assessment, right? Yes. So let's, let's walk through... Uh, how this this process uh, would work. So people could get a visual, okay, uh, I've got here, my business is destroyed or my residence is destroyed. Obviously, I'm going to need some assistance. And can you tell us, like, here are the steps that you need to take. So step one, you have to be evaluated. Let's say you have to go through FEMA first. We always encourage people to apply through FEMA first. And FEMA usually will give you a link where you can apply, go ahead and apply for SBA loans. However, we do have our own own website. You You can go to to lending.sba.gov okay. to apply for the SBA disaster loan. Or you can visit our customer service representative at a disaster recovery center okay. established by FEMA or our business recovery center established by SBA. We have staff there on site to help you to complete the applications. Okay. The DRC, Disaster Recovery Center, is located in Gallatin Public Utilities, And the BRC, the Business Recovery Center, is located here in Hendersonville Chamber of Commerce. Okay. Yes. And that's at 100 Country Club Drive. And you have a suite back there, Suite 103. So it's part of the chamber. It's just a different entrance. So if you come into the chamber hallway, the chamber straight ahead, go to the left, and there'll be a door there that says 103. And you have signage up there, so it's it's not a problem to find. Yeah. Yes, the BRC is open uh, Monday through Saturday. However, it's closed for New Year's Day. The DRC would be open Monday through Sunday, and it's closed on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Okay. Well, you got to have a break sometime. 
course. <laughs> During this process, so as they would come into the office, of course, it'd be they would probably have forms to fill out and and some kind of an assessment there to find out, okay, why are you here? And let us find out what, if in fact you do qualify for this, and then... So I guess when they completed the paperwork, they would just been told what's going to happen next, and they would be hearing from you at that point. Yeah, and actually, um, if you visit one of our uh, centers, please have these things ready. Okay. We need your uh, phone number and contact information, your social security number for all the applicants, your financial information, such as your income, account balances, monthly expenses, etc. And also, if you're a homeowner, we need your deed. If you're a renter, we need your lease. And uh, keep in mind, we only cover the uh, un- uninsured and underinsured portion of the loss. The amount of the loan is determined by the eligible losses minus grant insurance and other compensations received for the same purpose as the SBA fund. So here's a question. So let's say in a case of a residence, their house was destroyed. Well, their deed is probably somewhere in a filing cabinet in there that maybe is totally destroyed. At that point, they would probably have to go to the courthouse and to the register of deeds, I guess, and and get a, a copy of that. Yeah, all these are recorded in okay. the counties. It's not going to be a problem. Okay, all right, good. So just, just so they know, they come there and they get surprised and go, oh, I didn't know that. Now, you have, what's your website, sba.gov or something simple Lending. like that? Lending.sba.gov is the application portal. Okay, so you want to go there first and make sure you follow all those requirements because it's spelled out for you and just so it saves you a trip. <laughs> And, and also, um, I want the audience to keep in mind that nobody can charge you for the application. Okay. Because, you know, people are out there scamming people. Exactly. And it's every day I'm hearing something, you know, that people are trying to take advantage of individuals. And it's just like early on, and Summer County Mayor John Isbell put out a thing that you're, you're going to have people in fake FEMA outfits and SBA and things like that g- going around and trying to, to lure people in. So I thought it was great early on that he put that out there. And we were, you know, all of our on-air personalities were, were definitely pushing that out there because if it feels wrong feels a little hinky to you check it out first don't just go with exactly what they say if you if you feel this isn't legit you'll know it yeah and and since while most of our audience are from Sumner County and uh, Sumner County is one of the primary counties that we we declared but I'm also going to talk a little about another program that is called economic injury disaster loan which means not only uh, Sumner County as a primary county that I mean not only the business owners in Sumner County is eligible but also the contiguous counties which means uh, all counties that that shares a border with Sumner County, they will also be eligible for this economic disaster injury loan. Why? For example, um, if we have a if someone in Macon County has a restaurant and across the street is Sumner County, people in, like his cust- regular customers in Sumner County are suffering from this uh, disaster fiscal mm-hmm. loss, and they're too busy with the loss and they don't have enough resources or or time to spend time in dining here. They would suffer from this economic loss. Who's going to pay for their rent? Who's mm-hmm. going to pay for their payroll? So that's why we have this economic injury disaster loan. I know it sounds like a tongue twister, so we usually <laughs> say IDL, E-I-D-L, IDL for short. Okay. Um, so that this IDL loan is also, it's up to $2 million, and the same interest rate applies. Okay. Wow. I mean, there's so much that I did not even know. And I'm sure the average person walking the street out here, if you asked them any question about it, they wouldn't have any idea, especially not being affected by it. But the fact that the Small Business Administration has these policies in effect, I think is tremendous. And especially when you have the conditions that we've just gone through here. And I know there's a, there's a lot of folks that were really affected. And as we heard earlier from Ken Widener, the numbers 
were, were pretty staggering. And it could have been worse, though. That's the thing. And I guess we were lucky in some respects uh, that way. But there are a lot of uh, businesses that have truly been affected. Some might not even open. But the fact that you have these uh, programs in, in place, I think, is incredible. Uh, so lending.sba.gov. Okay, yes. you got to go there, and folks, and just check that out. And, of course, it's on social media. So you're gonna, you know, the Chambers website has this information on there. Yes. And it's sort of be easy to find. Yeah. To reiterate, if you're a business in Sumner County and you have suffered physical damage, you are eligible for up to $2 million of disaster loan, and the interest is as slow as 4%. If you have a business in Sumner County or okay. a business in a neighboring county, you may be eligible for economic injury disaster loan for up to $2 million with the same interest rate as low as 4%. Mm. Um, and we, with terms up to 30 years. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty good. So that would be, they would just sign up for that and you know, you, you gotta pay this stuff back. I mean, it's not free money. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that the interest rates are so low like that, I mean, I'm sure the SBA is not in it to, to make a killing, you know, you gotta pay for, you gotta pay for things, but it, it, it's still at this time of need, I think it's, a, it's an incredible uh, program that they have available. You know, we've been talking with Robin Yang here with the Small Business Administration, and we have some more questions for her, and uh, we're gonna take just a quick break and we'll be right back with more Sumner County Spotlight. Thanks for listening to Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program heard each and every Sunday right here on WHIN. Or you can listen on our podcast page at whinradio.com. If you'd like to become a sponsor of this program, reach out to me, Jeff Shannon, at jeff at whinradio.com. And we're back with Sumner County Spotlight this Sunday morning. Of course, you will be able to hear this broadcast on our podcast page at whinradio.com, as you've heard. And this uh, this will be up there. It's going to be quite interesting because there is a lot of information that, that is covered here that we normally don't deal with on a day-to-day basis. So you definitely want to check out the podcast and get this information. But go over to learning.sba.gov and the website there, and you can get all the information. And, of course, it's all over the place. You'll be able to find it. But we're talking with Robin Yang here. You know, you you said something interesting. There, there are certain requirements that you encourage people to follow when applying for these grants or um, these yeah. loans, I should say. Yes. Even though we only cover uninsured and underinsured losses, however, you don't have to wait for insurance settlement before applying. And we actually have deadlines, t- two different deadlines for the physical damage loans and the economic injury damage loans. The deadline for physical damage loan is February 12th, which if you think about it, it's only a month and a half away. Yeah. Um, so I highly encourage our residents, our business owners to uh, apply as soon as possible if you have physical damage. The economic injury disaster loan, on the other hand, it's the application is open until September 13, 2024. Oh. Well, that makes it a little easier because, I mean, some folks might have uh, be insured by a company that really kind of wants to drag their feet. <laughs> then you have others that want to settle as you know quick as possible. That's They're a more, maybe possibly a more reputable company or they've got things in place. But y- you have to just not sit back and wait for that settlement to happen because you might run out of a time frame here yeah, to get exactly. this loan. Especially it takes time for them to eva- to assess and, mm-hmm. and approve it, right? So I highly encourage people to apply as soon as possible. And what else? Other requirements we have to deal with? Your credit needs to be acceptable to SBA. Well, yeah, I, I would think so. If you're getting uh, you know, $100,000 or 200000 or in some case a million dollars loan, you got to be able to pay it back. I mean, <laughs> they're not just going to hand you money and it doesn't care what it is, but you, you, you definitely have to keep that in check as well. But if you're still you're struggling with this. Look, go in. Don't just say, well, my credit is bad. Uh, you know, l- at least try. 
because it's there for you. Yes, and for homeowners, if you have a vacation property, unfortunately, it, it is not eligible unless it is used as a rental property, which, uh, in which case it's considered a business. But you need to have tax return that reflects it. So if you have, let's say, an Airbnb, you live here, yes, but you have an Airbnb business. that you're renting out, that kind of thing, and that's destroyed, you can you can apply with that as well. Yes, okay. and that is your business. However, if your close relative is living in your second home, it's also eligible. Okay, all right. So if you have two homes, let's just say, some and people do. And your daughter do. lives in the second one. Okay. Yeah, the, the second one will also be eligible for this disaster okay. home. Oh, very interesting. Okay, well, that's good to know. SBA also provides loans for mitigation to increase resiliency. For example, you can use the mitigation fund to build a storm shelter. And this can be up to 20% increase on top of the physical damage loan. So you can get that and, and build a storm shelter or something of that nature? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, it's just going to make it better for you next time. Of course. Because there are That's some, our purpose. Some people have built, built some pretty heavy-duty storm shelters here. Now, how they get through the ground here, because that's all rock, I don't know, but we were talking with Ken about that, and of course, those shelters have to be registered so everybody knows that shelter is there. In case the house falls on top of you, they got to know where you're located. So it's, it's, it's a, that's a good point. I think after these storms happen, I think people become more aware, you know what I mean? Said, so, well, maybe we should invest in a, a storm shelter possibility. So it's out there. I, I just thought of one scenario. If someone's traveling to Tennessee and unfortunately the tornadoes just hit on those days, on those days when you're visiting, you're also eligible for the personal, uh, for the disaster loan for your per personal property such, your, uh, such as your vehicle. Mm, okay. If, even though you're transient, you're, you're just visiting, mm -hmm. you're also eligible. So if they were driving here and they got caught right in the middle of the storm and, and blew their car away and exactly <laughs> wow well look i mean look there's so much information on here and uh we, we could probably spend the next rest of the day talking about all of the possibilities that that are there for you and I, but i know that you know having the information and going in with some knowledge that's why you go to the website learn as much as you can and get this information out there and talk to people i mean they have a phone number they can call too as well it's it'll be on your website just tell them how to to call to ask questions and things like that because so maybe some older folks are not real attuned to these uh, cell phones you know and and technology and things of that nature and also feel feel free to visit uh, our drc or brc for assistance right and I know you're going to be located here at the chamber for some time, and uh, just keep checking in, and you know the information will be up there because I'm sure the chamber will be posting things on their social media to let them know what the process is and you know where it is and how long may possibly you're going to be there. Because let's face it, you know there's you have a limited time there; you can't be there forever. But people have a, have the time to get in there and get their assessment and apply. Yeah, and if you think you're eligible, please apply. Even if you're offered SBA loan, you're not obliged to accept it. Okay. And if the homeowner or renter is declined for disaster loan, SBA will also refer them back to FEMA for additional grant consideration. Oh, that's very interesting. Okay, because FEMA does those. It's not really a loan for them, right? Yes, it's they're, a grant. So they're they're grants. They still would have to pay that back if FEMA gives them that money. FEMA FEMA doesn't require you to. Okay, pay good. Back, so this is why you want to start at FEMA first and get whatever free money that you could get, and then if, then you go to SBA, and then once interviewing with you, you guys can come back and say, well, I got you apply 
apply for this amount of money. Now, I guess they can accept two at the same time, right? Yeah, they can accept the uh, the FEMA grant and apply for uh, SBA okay. and also accept the SBA loan at the same time. Okay. So to apply for the SBA loan, the, the steps are we do have a, an approval process where property will be verified and SBA will review your credit before conducting an inspection to verify your losses. And then after it's approved, it can be various amount, the loan will be closed and the, the funds will be disturbed, will be dispersed. Well, and I think it's interesting that, uh, you know, if you go to FEMA first, you know, they offer you X amount of dollars and then you go to SBA and they're going to say, okay, your assessment on, based upon this assessment and you, you qualify for X amount of dollars, you can accept both of those and, and have that, those funds available to you to, to get back on your feet. So it's very interesting that they, they can get there. And I think it's, again, it's a learning process. Hopefully we won't have to use this again. But as we know, uh, weather's unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen. That's why mitigation is important. Yes, absolutely. So, well, there's a lot of important things that, that SBA does. You're based, I guess, not here in Middle Tennessee. So, and I was very impressed how FEMA, SBA were right on the spot here. I mean, you guys got here fast. As far as SBA goes, our office is located in Atlanta. Okay. And all our, all, and our employees can be anywhere in the country. Okay. When, when there's a disaster, we're deployed to the disaster site mm-hmm. to help the local residents to, to apply for loans and recover from the disaster. Well, I mean, that's, that's great. You got that organization. I know with the Red Cross, I met a nice gentleman, Zach, and he was coming in to coordinate all of the, the thing for the Red Cross and, you know, getting those aspects set up. You know, we had FEMA on, on board right away. Uh, SBA was right there. So the, the response, I think, was in, incredible. And it really kind of expedites all this process to try to get people back to some sense of normalcy when it comes to this. But, you know, having SBA available and have these these uh, loans, very affordable loans uh, available, I think are impressive. Yeah, I mean, we work hands in hand with, with FEMA and we also work with um, the, the local SBDCs, SCORE, uh, women's business centers, uh, veterans business outreach centers, for, for example. And we always help the survivors to apply for the loans at no cost. And, and that's that's great because, you know, in a time of need like this, the tensions are high. I mean, gosh, their whole lives pretty much have been put on hold as far as that goes. But to have this available to try to get back in step is great. Now, would these loans be able to provide them housing is part of the process? So let's say their house was destroyed. They get a, an award, a loan amount of X amount of dollars, but their house has to be rebuilt. Can they use these funds however they want to uh, get get temporary housing? The loan is 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 designed for uh, is designed to repair or replace okay. their houses. Okay, they can't go out and buy televisions and stuff no. like that. <laughs> well, for television, if you are approved for well, actually take take out the no. Um, if you are approved for personal property damage uh, loan. Okay. In this case, you if the television is the damaged personal property, you okay. can apply that funds towards the television. Okay, all right. Yeah, because you don't want to say, hey, they got $100,000, I'm going to go buy a Tesla. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, that's not how it works. <laughs> Which I'm sure you're going to have people that want to push the limit on this stuff. They don't want to mess with SBA. All right, so what about a citizenship issue? So we have some individuals maybe that are not a U.S. citizen. What requirements do we have in that regard? Well, we do not have the same policy as FEMA regarding non-citizen applicants, nor do we make eligibility determinations in the field. But generally, U.S. citizens, non-citizen nationals, and qualified aliens are eligible for disaster loans. However, lawful presence in the United States alone is not sufficient to establish that the individual is a qualified alien. 
Okay. Well, that's that's very interesting. And again, it goes through the approval process. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I I still encourage I highly encourage everyone who think you're eligible to apply. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. All they can say is no. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, try it and and see see what happens with There's it. There's no but, drawback. Right, cuz I mean, you you know, you might be here in this country and own five houses and all five of them got damaged. <laughs> that would be scary. However, <laughs> your vacation homes would not be eligible. Good point. See, that's why you're here. <laughs> you got this information. So in the case of, of when you're deployed, uh, you can literally come from this deployment to a different area tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's you're at the, the mercy. <laughs> <laughs> We're the always at the disaster site to help. Yeah. Well, and that's great. And, you know, it's unfortunate that we have these. And, you know, we've had so many over the years, as as Ken Widener had indicated, I was unaware of how many. We had over 50 uh, tornadoes that have come through Middle Tennessee. I believe that's the number uh, over the course of the year since they started tracking tornadoes. And it just seems like every year at this particular time, mm-hmm. it just seems like it's just right for it to bring that tornado right through there. Yeah, <laughs> actually, this year alone, this is my second time in Tennessee. I was here in in April and May too. Did you, did you get some uh, boots and uh, a hat yet? No, <laughs> she's not telling us. <laughs> and have you learned to say y'all? Uh, yeah, I live in the South, and I'm still living in the South. So yeah. <laughs> well, um, Florida is not really that. I don't know. I mean, I grew up in Florida, so I'm I'm the Floridian guy. I also live in New Orleans. No, see, you said it right. I was waiting for that. You said New Orleans. <laughs> or New Orleans. Michael. Well, listen, I, I, I'm so impressed that you came in and thank you so much for providing this information. I know it's a, you know, a lot of information in a short amount of time, but again, they need to head over to the website at lending.sba.gov. Okay. And check it on social media. You're going to find it right there. So, okay. We've been talking with Robin Yang here with the Small Business Administration. Uh, again, thank you so much for coming in. Thank y'all. You're oh, good. Yeah, is that good? See, you're, you're doing all right. So, all right, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Sumner County Spotlight here with me, Jeff Shannon. Join us again next Sunday for more of Sumner County Spotlight. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.